Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hashtag Queer AF is brought to you by UK Power Networks. They sponsor National Student Pride because they recognise that in order to sustain their business in the long term, it's essential to have diverse teams. Their LGBT plus employee networks provide their team with a platform to seek support and guidance. And through constructive challenge, they enhance their ability to be more inclusive. They also deliver mandatory inclusive leadership training to all managers. You can apply for a job with UK Power Networks on the pride.careers website now. Type pride.careers into your browser. In our past, we all have something we're not proud of. I remember being 18 and going to a gay club for the first time. I was with my friends, there was neon signs outside, the music was blasting out, and uh, there was cute guys everywhere. Uh, I I was 18, I should have been having the time of my life, really. I remember a guy with a handbag uh, came up to me and asked to buy me a drink, and I vividly remember saying to him, why do you have to be such a queer? See, I never had a problem with people knowing I like guys. I had a problem with them thinking I'm effeminate. I am what I am. I don't want praise. I don't want pity. My name's Sean, and I've had a problem with internalised homophobia for quite some time. Let me tell you about my situation. I grew up in a small environment. A village, and uh, it was quite isolating in my formative years when I discovered I was different. In the schoolyard, it didn't take me long to affiliate anything to do with homosexuality as negative. The terms gay, pufta, queer were thrown around quite a lot. We all thought of being gay as effeminate, camp, and weak the sissy kid who'd be rejected by his peers. So when I noticed, I might be the gay one myself. I was the first to throw homophobic slurs at others, so they knew that I wasn't. For years, I closed myself off from everyone, afraid to show my true self. I betrayed this false macho persona to try and deceive people. I even went as far as pretending to like football, and I hate football. When I did start coming out, I made a big deal of how I wasn't the stereotypical gay, but this constant homophobia from myself, directed not only at others, but myself, is exhausting. And now I'm living and studying in London, like any other city with an LGBT scene, I want to move past it. On this week's show, we're following the recent Radio graduate Sean Allsop's personal journey 
of overcoming his hate of pride and gay stereotypes. And if you've listened to this podcast before on season one, then you might recognise Sean's first guest. Uh, my name is Matthew Todd, and I uh, was the editor of Attitude magazine between 2008 and 2016, and I'm the author of a book called Straightjacket, How to Be Gay and Happy. Today, we're returning to the subject of Matthew's book, Straightjacket, How to Be Gay and Happy, by following Sean's internalised homophobia story, as he hopes to overcome it, in what is by far our most frank reporting on this show yet. I'm Jamie Wareham, and this is National Student Pride's podcast, hashtag queer AF. How would you describe internalised uh, homophobia? Well, I describe the way you feel it is probably feeling not very good about yourself, essentially. I think that's the way it manifests. Um, but it's a very complicated thing for... for uh, LGBT people that we grow up very different from other people in a society that doesn't really value LGBT people doesn't really understand us things are getting better but I think we grow up we're receiving signals that you know what we are and what we think we may be as we start to realize who we are is not acceptable and and possibly is a threat to us actually i think that's probably the key thing that, that it's, it's a threat to to our existence really and um i think we turn that fear and uh, all those complicated emotions onto ourselves and then onto other lgbt people and then not everybody does it but i think it's incredibly common and i don't think we really talked about it very much in the past. Do you think upbringing is a big part of internalised homophobia? Yeah, totally. I mean, to be honest with you, I think actually even since I've, I've written the book, thinking about it, the book, it, I mean, I, I absolutely stand by the book 100%, but the book is focused very much on family and messages you receive from society, and, that, and that's one thing. That's, that's, that's massive. That's huge. But also I think I've come to th- believe that actually... There's a narrative now which is everybody's the same. So, um, you, so that get you know being gay is is essentially the same as being straight. Whereas in fact, I think it actually is quite different, just in the sense that the vast majority of the world is heterosexual, and so just to be different is hard. Whoever you are. I talked to Matthew about one of the big moments that increased my internalised homophobia. I remember one night, not too long after I moved to London. I went to heaven, one of the biggest gay clubs. I wanted to experience life as a young gay man. Having not felt accepted anywhere else because I was gay, I felt it was my calling card. I was in a fresh new environment. I could start to embrace LGBT culture. I felt it was expected of me. When I went to heaven, an event was being held called Porn Idol. If you've never heard of Porn Idol, it's a competition where contestants get on stage and strip. It's very full-on. It was a bit too much for me. Too extreme. Too gay. My internalised homophobia returned. I thought, is this it? To get drunk and wolf-whistle at naked guys? Not only was I uncomfortable with my sexuality, but now I have this body image you have to live up to in order to be accepted in the whole gay community you know going to heaven seeing porn idol for the first time what did you make of that yeah that's a very interesting experience i was i'm not gonna lie i was quite uncomfortable at first well well, i I don't like porn i think jay is amazing 
Um, but I don't like porn idol. I think it's really inappropriate. Uh, I, I don't think it's right to have people on and then have a bunch of, you know, people there criticizing uh, people's bodies and then in front of a baying mob of drunk uh, people uh, screaming and shouting, of which I have been one of those people at times. You know, I've seen it. I haven't seen it for a long time, but I, I've seen it in the past. And yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's, and that's part of the book as well, that I think <laughs> that we're not uh, traditionally, you know, as a minority, we've never, it's always been about criticizing things that, like I said, that are outside of us. And we never are ever critical of some of the things that, um, that we do mm. and the problems within our community and um yeah like i say i, I think jay is amazing and i think it's probably life-saving for lots of young people but um i, I really intensely dislike porn idol i think it's really uh, horrible because it, it's just again sending you a message that basically you know it's all about the way you look and you know if you don't have this perfect body everyone's going to laugh at you and that's you know, the, you know, I see some of the people that are on the judging panel, they're not in a position to be laughing at other people's bodies. Like, not, most of us aren't. Do, do you know what I mean? So an objectification, I'm going off on a rant now, Objectif objectification in, in, in the gay community is a, is a massive problem. And I have been part of that. You know, as editor of Attitude, it was often about putting sexy men on the cover. So you got over there? Oh yeah, bless him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 I mean, Daniel was one of the kind of tamer ones. You know, there were lots of the attitude covers which were very sexy. And in some ways, on some level, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, people want to, everyone, gay, straight, whatever. People want to look at, at attractive bodies. But did it go too far? Probably, certainly, in gay culture. Yeah, there is a problem with that imagery dominating everything. The whole night scene. I think it just gave me a different image, and then it kind of set me back a little bit early on thinking I don't really think if I wanted to be you know I'm happy to date other men but I don't I felt uncomfortable being labelled gay really mm. and also I think what comes along with that is the stereotype of interests and I think that's what hurt me the most really when people are assuming that I used to that I loved Glee and I didn't love Glee really I've I'm never so, seen an episode of Glee see everyone must have seen you've seen <laughs> about all five series well people said to me oh, you'll love Glee you'll love Glee and nothing against Glee because I'm really glad that Glee exists and I think it was great and people loved it mm. But I didn't. I just did it's just something. I didn't. I didn't really. It didn't really work for me. But that, that's absolutely fine. But also, you know, you strike me as somebody who maybe wouldn't be going to. If you were straight, you wouldn't feel the need to be going to the Ministry of Sound night in night out, or, or going to. You know, gay, gay culture is kind of like hen party culture. It's that kind of brash, kind of screechy, very sexual, and you know, people like that. That's absolutely fine. But it's odd to think that we all think, we have all thought, we've all kind of been told that if you're gay, suddenly you all go in for that, that culture. And if you were straight, there's loads of people who, you know, loads of women, for instance, who wouldn't like, you know, falling down Old Compton Street in a pair of high heels and a kiss me quick <laughs> hat and, you know, I don't know, balloons shaped in the, shaped like a penis. Do, do, do you see my point? That, yeah. that we're kind of all funneled into this kind of... Um, homogenous cultural identity and, and it's, I just think well, why should you feel that you have to have a big muscly body Coming up after the break Sean takes what he's learnt from Matthew and seeks help overcoming the way he feels He's going to see an LGBT therapist Stay with us Thanks for listening to Hashtag Queer AF. Just a short break today, as we reach the halfway mark of our second season. We want to keep making this show, but in order to do that, 
we need your help to grow our listeners and reach more people. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes, or even just share it with a friend. Both of these actions don't cost you a single penny, but they do wonders for spreading the hashtag QueerAF message to more ears. Thanks. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. Before the break, we were listening to Sean's journey of understanding how he'd internalised homophobia and shame whilst growing up gay in a world that is otherwise built for straight people. He started to realise that was damaging his potential relationship with the LGBT community. And now he wants to build that relationship back up. I learned a lot from Matthew that my interests don't have to be predetermined just because of my sexuality. And that objectification is a big issue in the gay community that makes people like me feel pressured and angry at the high standards. I took his advice and spoke to a therapist to find out how common internalised homophobia is. Hello? Hello there, uh, I'm Sean. Hey, Sean, come on up. Ah, cheers. Got it. I spoke to Stephen Hanscom, an LGBT psychotherapist, to find out more. Do you ever get a, a number of clients here who suffer from internalised homophobia and trying to fix their way of thinking? Yes, um, it's quite frequent. Is yeah, it? yeah. Um, there's a lot of internalised homophobia is a big is a big subject, and fundamentally, what we're talking about is shame. So shame is something I I talk a lot about because we're essentially in saying that we're we're essentially feeling ashamed of who we are. And we've got to somehow get over that. And by talking to somebody about fears, marginalisation in society, and that can be a therapist or it can be friend, mentor, teacher, anyone really, by physically talking about it, um, it can help us an awful lot to get over that shame. I think a lot of my frustration draws back from the fact that uh, I was brought in a smaller environment, a village, uh, so obviously no one wants to have that tagline only again in the village you know and mm. it's bound to really happen if you're out if you're out in the village and it's it's quite an uh, isolated environment as well especially when everyone just has the perception of what uh, homosexual is what their interests are and that really frustrates me do you find commonly that being in a small environment 
could impact anyone's internalised homophobia in their upbringing. Yeah, absolutely, because your, your worldview, if you like, is, is very narrow. You know, you, you, you come across very, a limited number of people with, with um, maybe homophobic views. And so if you're in a small environment like that, a small, a small town, you're not getting the exposure to people who might be a bit more accepting of who you are. So it can be, as I say, you can feel very isolated and very marginalised within that community, which is why a lot of guys um, and LGBT people generally frequent large cities because they can get the support through community that they, they desperately need. Well, that was one of the reasons I came to university in London. I decided, uh, I, was, I was 19, I thought this is a pivotal time to go. Uh, I went and I thought the first thing I did, I think the second night was, I just went down to Soho and I thought, this is like by calling this as well, I was meant to be. Uh, I went down there, I was a bit shocked at first, passing the big Ron Jeremy cutout, appetising gin, <laughs> at the Google he was, Christ. <laughs> and at uh, the gentlemen's clubs I passed. And then I went to, you know, to build J.Y. Heaven. And uh, I was very disappointed, actually. I was very disappointed because everything I saw there was either just pink-covered, effeminate bodies everywhere, like just camp-acting wrists flying everywhere, dangling mm. down like that. And uh, the, the gay lisps I heard, I felt really, really... Uh, un- uncomfortable and when you go to heaven and you see like the porn idol when they're all like uh, have you heard of porn idol yes yeah yeah <laughs> I just felt that was just all these naked bodies flying around and I thought oh god is this all it really is really it was just just being really effeminate going mad after guys and just mm. getting pissed really and I kind of that kind of scared scared me off really because I thought I was meant to this is what I was meant to do according yes. to a young man well that's exactly it and that's exactly I, it why, why do you I don't know why I didn't like it really I think I think it just kind of I, I felt like it supported the stereotype in some aspects mm. and I felt kind of angry at a lot of other gay men for supporting what a lot of people use against us quite a bit yeah yeah I mean all of that is um, is is very typical really um, of young people coming out and feeling that they have to be a certain way and what you learn as you look into this, um, and you, you, you go on a journey, if you, if you like, of self-discovery through, through talking to people, through whether it's a therapist or, mm-hmm. or somebody else, you discover that you don't have to be like them and that you, you accept people for who they are. And the more you look at the LGBT community, it's a very wide community with a lot of wide interests and a lot of different sorts of people, exactly the same as in the heterosexual community. It's as wide as that, if you like. Um, so there's no difference in, in, in the depth um, and what you learn is that you, um, you can basically be who you are and it's okay to be who you are. So these stereotypes that you, you see, whether it's you know, feminism um, or effeminate behaviour um, or a very fit sort of muscle culture, um, like on the front cover of a lot of magazines, um, you will um, decide for yourself, where do I relate? Or maybe do I relate to this or that? Or maybe none of it. Maybe I want to do it my own way. And so there's an acceptance of, of who you are. And when we talk about authenticity and being our authentic self, um, that's all about just accepting who we are. And that's okay. It's okay to be you. And that's why I kind of feel a bit of shame, really, because at these clubs, if someone was to, I don't know, try, you know, just talk to me for a bit, they could, they could just be friendly, they're with their friends, but obviously... They just look a bit effeminate. They're wearing so like a girl's top. They might have some like glitter around their eyes. I mean, I'm a big fan of Mark Bolan, but still, I thought 
and I'd be, I'd be really rude to him. I remember going to one outside saying like why'd you do it really like why are you like being a burden on like the rest of us I was kind of you know the, the normal ones I said and then he said that's a bit rude and I said I'm, I'm entitled to say that I thought I'm entitled to say that like sometimes I'd like my like, faggot or queer some people but I honestly thought that I was entitled to use that language Right, against, against the community. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I was like trying to mould them into what they really should be. And I, looking back, that's something I'm a bit kind of ashamed of. Well, obviously I am. Well, it's interesting. This We, we would call this um, horizontal oppression. Um, it's where we um, vilify uh, members of the community. Um, so we'll, we'll lash out against people who, we're, in, in theory, we're supposed to be supporting. And you'll, you'll have heard that. You know, people who... Um, in society that uh, are hiding who they are um, and they're lashing out against the gay community and then a couple of years later we find out that, oh, they're gay. <laughs> They've come out. So again, there's this horizontal oppression going on, which again is a form of denial. You know, it's where somebody is basically um, not able to accept who they are and so they'll lash out at those closest to them. Um, and if that's, the, if that's the gay community, then um, that's, that's who they lash out at. I discovered my behaviour was horizontal oppression. When I was being prejudiced against other gay people, it wasn't because I was uncomfortable with them, it was because I was uncomfortable with myself. This makes a lot of sense because I've always had a lot of denial and always felt frustrated, so I let that frustration out on them. Talking to Stephen really made me understand my emotions and I felt a lot better for it. I'm not surprised to hear that a lot of other people felt the same. But at the time, I thought I was the only one. I wish I would have reached out to someone to discuss these issues sooner. So I'm reaching out to a support network I should have reached out to a long time ago. Hello, you're through to Switchboard. How can I help you? Switchboard. Hi, Tash. Oh, hey, Sean. Welcome to Switchboard. Come on in. Thank you. I'm here in Switchboard HQ in London to speak with Tash Walker, one of the trustees of Switchboard, to find out what support they offer and how they could have helped me in my situation. I'm Tash Walker and I'm one of the trustees at Switchboard. And what does Switchboard provide for young LGBT people? Predominantly we are a support service, so we are here to listen and support people via the telephone, via instant messaging or via email. So it's really a place to come and talk to people, people listen to you or you to ask questions, anything really to do with sexuality and or gender identity, um, whether it be someone who feels like they might be gay and wants to come out or a parent of a child who thinks they might, they might be trans, we're here to help anyone who's got questions around it. So I'm just wondering, like, how, what's the magnitude of calls you get, like, on a regular basis? Uh, I don't know if you give the exact number, but is it, like... It's 15,000 a year, I think that the number is. And, um, no, literally anyone can call us, no matter how silly or small you think your thing is. It's important to you, and that's what's important. It's about listening and supporting someone, and that's all that anyone really, really needs, is to be supported and helped through difficult situations and actually the act of calling switchboard in and of itself is a really really big deal the actual act of saying yeah actually i want to explore this a bit more or listen and you can talk to us about anything it's something i wish i was a bit more braver to actually do 
that far because you know when you get all these help line calls you're like oh, I'm not going to call out 24 hours yeah. you don't want to disturb them at 3am even though they are all up and ready no you do we do need <laughs> disturbing this is the point the point of the charity do there is no time that that you shouldn't call us I asked Tash what she would say to me if I had contacted Switchboard sooner when my internalised homophobia was at its peak. Uh, uh, I'm 19 years old, I've just gone to heaven, I've seen Porn Idol, I like it now. Back then I thought it was a bit of a, I wouldn't call it an abomination, but I was a bit... Uh, <laughs> Strong words. <laughs> well, I thought everyone here is like wearing skimpy clothes, everyone here is dancing to terrible remixes of Rihanna. Uh, all nothing that relates to my interests. Um, I feel very dis- disassociated with the gay community. Mm-hmm. I feel they've given me a bad image. Mm-hmm. And from that, as I as I leave and walking up those stone steps, which has uh, a mumbling fag and queer to the people walking over in a, some sort of anger. Uh, if I was to call Switchboard and t- tell you this, what would you say? To I mean, me? You painted quite a picture there. <laughs> <laughs> Remixes of uh, Rihanna aside. Um, <laughs> I, well, I suppose we'd start by asking you why you'd contacted us. So presuming you'd said, this is what my night was, I just don't feel like I fit in the gay community, then what we'd probably say to you is that that's just one part of the gay community. You know, everyone doesn't fit into everything. Not everyone likes Rihanna's remixes. It, it's, it's completely individual to you, and it's about finding your people within that community and finding the section of it which you do like being a part of. It's not necessarily always about going to heaven or getting drunk or, you know, having a good time in nightclubs. There's such a big, such a big, big, like, diverse world out there of people who are who you can relate to and want to be a part of. So it's about finding where you sit in that and not feeling like you have to fit into the stereotypes that you're imposing upon yourself. And, of course, talking's the first step. Absolutely. It was quite a revelation talking to Matthew, Stephen and Natasha. Uh, I felt a lot more comfortable with myself and it turns out what everyone had been saying for years is true. Talking to someone really does help. And whilst I understood more about how my insecurities grew into internalised homophobia, uh, there was one subject I don't really still understand and I also feel a tad uncomfortable with it. Pride. Now I've never been to a pride parade, I don't like rainbows and I avoid the colour pink. It's It's an unpopular belief but I feel pride gives a negative image to the LGBT community with rainbow floats, kinky clothing, and anything effeminate. It makes me feel uncomfortable, and and I believe it fuels my internalized homophobia. Now, I know I'm wrong. I want to understand pride, so I brought the issue up to Matthew. One thing I'd like to talk to you about uh, while I got you here, this is quite a, a topic I've been quite shy to ask people about. So basically, I've nearly come over the whole acceptance I'd say about 95% you know the snow summit I'm just at the snow mm-hmm. summit of this gay rank, of this gay mountain but basically the, the one final thing I'm trying to get through is I've never been to a pride festival and I've always felt very uh, kind of uncomfortable with rainbows um, the colour pink but I'd just like to talk to you 
say like why should I be happy for pride so my little bit of an argument is that I think sometimes this whole gay pride thing the way we're represented there with the rainbows and the, just everything colourful everything over the top the drag queens I just feel that's kind of a, a little bit of an, I feel a bit embarrassed being represented by that and I don't know if I just ask you what, what, why is it like a good thing tell me because I know I'm wrong I just want to know why I'm wrong to think that it's just a, a ploy to act kind of effeminate mm. and whole, you know like the colourful rainbows I just think it's a bit I just like to be told why I'm wrong really hmm well, that's that, that's a really complicated mm, so one what, as well. Why should we be kind of proud, really? Well, that's always a hard question. So well, I this is really this hard. is really complicated. And I think though another thing which I think it makes it even more complicated is that the world we live in now with social media um, is very unforgiving. So you go from you know a nice saintly virtue signalling person to to a Nazi from from naught to a hundred. You know what I mean? There seems to be if you say something that people don't like on 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 Twitter or some of the stuff you just said, then mm-hmm. would be considered to be very unpc, and people could be really upset about it. But and I and I and, I, and in the culture we live in, people get very angry about that. And I don't think that helps us. I think people should be able to express difficult views, and this is the way, especially in the way you just put it, wanting to try to understand the issues and how you feel about it. Um, I think it's completely understandable for if you grow up being told that being gay is wrong and then constantly seeing these images of gay pride and being told being gay is wrong, gay pride is wrong, this is wrong, don't ever do this, is wrong. It's completely understandable that if people then, as some older people feel it too, you know, lots of older people feel it too, that if you have a feeling of I don't feel comfortable with that, I don't feel comfortable with drag queens, I don't feel comfortable with rainbow flags, I don't feel comfortable with people in leather harnesses and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it just is for a lot of people. It just is a fact of of of, of lots of people's experience. So I, you know, self-loathing is thrown around at people like he's self-loathing. This is a self-loathing person. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Like it's some terrible, evil thing that someone's decided to do. When I certainly had loads of feelings similar to that at times, and loads of thoughts about that, and loads of self-loathing issues. And when I went to work in the gay media, I thought, you know, we're going to this place where these would be the most sorted happiest gay people well that's not the reality the pe- you know celebrities people in the highest you know levels of what you want to call uh, uh, the wider community lgbt lgbt people in the wider community and in the lgbt community in itself in the media we all have struggled with some of these issues not everybody but the vast majority of us so i'd say we all need to give ourselves a break about thinking about that pride is really really complicated and i have a a, a complex relationship with it there's times when I was younger when I came out after years of repression of being able to walk down the street with my, well, boyfriends at times, hand in hand. That was an amazing thing. To be with my friends, to not be... I mean, as it was in the 80s and the 90s, you know, just to be able to walk down a street in London and be yourself without worried that you without being worried that you might get hit or killed or beaten up or something, that was liberating itself. So I think... Pride can be really great. I, I think probably the best thing is is for oneself when you can feel positive about it and feel that you've got a sense of camaraderie. That whole issue is one that divides people about, you know, what do people make of drag queens and, you know, the, the very sexual part of the culture. And, and it's complicated. But I think it's OK to have those feelings and to discuss them. I think it's really important to discuss them because... Like for instance, some of the, some of the some of the sexual stuff I see at Pride, I don't feel very comfortable with. When I see guys dressed up as do- dogs, dogs yeah. <laughs> I kind of think 
for me, I kind of feel like that's a, se- a, a part of your sex life. Is it is it necessarily appropriate that it should be in the street? Now, do I feel massively... People will be upset that I've even said that. Do I feel massively strongly about it? Not really. I mean, it's it's complex because I do think there are kids around. You know, there are, there are there are people who you know more and more of us have kids and we bring our kids. Do I think it's you know uh, an automatic assumption that someone's right to express their to express their sexuality in terms of their actual you know sex, sexual mm. feelings, sexual activity trumps the right for for people to be able to bring their kids? I don't necessarily think that, but it's not something I would get hugely worked up about it's com it's complicated because as gay people we have been dis- defined by sex so sex has a disproportionate uh dis- disproportionately large place in our culture so um it's not surprising that people want to you know uh, leather pride and this pride and that pride and i want to express the fact that i'm into this sexual activity i think as the years go on some of that stuff will will change it, you know because i think as the the, the more we the, we are the more we are accepted in society presuming that's the way things continue and the more we accept ourselves i think the less we need to um to express ourselves publicly in that way possibly i don't know that's just my that's just my just my thoughts on it but one thing i do think is really 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 important is that we should be able to discuss these things in a non-judgmental way without people jumping on us and saying how dare you say that you're not allowed to say that that's disgusting you know i think we need to be understanding of where we where we've all come from you know and ultimately um i think pride's important because i think it's important for us to feel okay about ourselves and you know, if if often people say it's too commercial and it's too this and it's too that, but I I found I marched with a gay Muslim group at one point a few years ago. You know, I didn't feel comfortable around the particular, you know, like the boys in pants on a on a lorry dancing to dance music. So I moved away from them and I and I marched with the the gay Muslim group. Um, you know, I think you can make it what you want it to be. My internalized homophobia came from denial of fully accepting who I was because I grew up with it as something that was so negative sadly I'm one of many who have had these experiences and many still have internalized homophobia my advice to you if you feel like that is to just get out there in the LGBT community meet people and get exposure being LGBT doesn't define you as a person just gotta let go of your anxiety to realise everyone's different and to accept everyone for being themselves and to accept yourself. There's a great community of people to meet. Don't hesitate and leave it too late. I had the wrong beliefs, but I was free to discuss these issues and emotions rather than keeping them locked in. Not being afraid to talk about this stuff is important and for me, it was the final hurdle in accepting myself and others. The rainbow is a symbol of acceptance and coming together. It's not a homage to a Judy Garland classic. Pride now makes me realise how far we've come for equality. All LGBT people joining together, no matter how different. A rainbow connection, if you will. Don't let internalised homophobia get the better of you. Life's too short. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection. The lovers, the dreamers, and me.
that's it for this week's hashtag queer AF. And before I do the final credits, I actually just want to add a quick update about Sean, because this is not the last time you're going to hear him on the show. The next time you do, you'll be hearing him after he's attended his first Pride. And boy, did he have to overcome his fear of pink and rainbows when he came to this year's National Student Pride Festival, where he recorded part of the next episode he's in. So make sure you're subscribed for that. It's coming to your hashtag QueerAF podcast feed in a couple of weeks' time. So, this week's show gives a massive thanks to Matthew Todd. His book Straight Jacket is available in paperback in April and hardback now to the therapist Stephen Hanscom, but also to Switchboard. If you ever want to call them yourself, you can do it 10am to 10pm every day on 0300 330 0630. That's 0300 330 0630. This week's show was sponsored by UK Power Networks, whose sponsorship allows us to pay students and recent graduates just like Sean to make and produce this show. Sean's Twitter handle is even in today's show notes, so if you're looking to commission your very own queer storytelling, then you can get straight in touch with him. And remember, if you love our humble queer little podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Subscribe to the show in your podcast app, or better yet, give us an iTunes and Apple podcast rating and review. We're hashtag queer as fuck. And so are you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.